for Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. As the coronavirus pandemic drags on, some mental health professionals worry about what it could mean for people's emotional well-being. Taking care of ourselves mentally is a fundamental and critical part of taking care of other parts of ourselves as well. Ryan Brashears is Chief of Behavioral Health for the Wellstar Health System. He joins me for a look at what the pandemic could mean for people's mental health. That's next. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Support for WABE's local coverage on maternal health and mortality comes from Georgia Health Initiative, whose mission is to inspire and promote collective action that advances health equity for all Georgians. Learn more at georgiahealthinitiative.org. This might go without saying, but a pandemic is stressful in so many ways. In a recent Kaiser Family Foundation poll, a little over half of the respondents said that stress related to the coronavirus outbreak had caused them to experience at least one negative effect on their mental health and well-being. Many mental health experts now worry about what the coronavirus will mean for people's emotional well-being long-term. Ryan Brashears is Chief of Behavioral Health for the Wellstar Health System, and he joins me now for more. Ryan, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Absolutely. I want to start by talking about what about a situation like this can potentially be so stressful for people. Talk to me about what kind of specific stressors people might might face in this kind of situation. I think, first of all, just recognizing that um, with a situation like we've encountered here, um, the degree of uncertainty is just naturally stressful for people. Uh, when you look at the core components of what makes something stressful for folks, um, oftentimes it boils down to three factors. Number one is, is the situation new? And with the coronavirus pandemic, uh, we certainly can check that box. The second would be, is it controllable? And uh, the answer is no. And the third would be, do we have a, a sense of the trajectory? Can we, is it predictable? And with a new situation like this, it comes with a lot of a lack of clarity around how this is going to trend. So those three factors really boil into uh, just this global concept of uncertainty. And that's, I think, fundamentally why this has been a particularly uh, stressful event. This really does seem to be kind of a perfect situation 
to elicit anxiety in people. Talk to me about how that anxiety specifically might manifest itself um, with, you know, specific concerns, say, about, you know, being stuck at home, maybe someone losing a job. And, and, and I'm wondering, too, maybe what you've been seeing and hearing from, from patients. So we are hearing a lot of concern uh, from individuals about, you know, am I going to have a job? There's been a lot of uh, financial twists and turns here uh, over the last several weeks. And so people are naturally concerned about uh, whether they're going to be able to uh, sustain their employment. There's so much about this situation that is stressful. Uh, we're hearing uh, people express concerns about uh, child care. Are schools going to be back in session? These are the sorts of anxieties that are uh, natural in a situation uh, like what we're facing. We certainly know that a significant percentage of our our population uh, is dealing with anxiety. Uh, whether or not that reaches clinical levels or not is is a different issue altogether. But certainly a, a higher level of anxiety would be a, a natural response to this uncertainty and also uh, a natural response to concerns about do I have the basic core needs? So these are just part of the the bigger picture of uh, what people are dealing with day to day. And then also the added stress of, am I going to catch this disease? Absolutely. And that gets right to the heart of our most basic and core needs, my survival. And, and what we find also is that uh, a lot of folks uh, are not just concerned about themselves, uh, but oftentimes prioritize the health and welfare of their loved ones as well. So maybe I feel okay that I'll survive the virus if I contract it. But what about my loved ones? If I have elderly parents or children, are they going to be safe? I think this situation has a lot of people maybe experiencing stress in a more acute way than they ever have before. Talk to me a little bit about maybe signs that people should watch out for in themselves, um, in their family members, that would really indicate that this is creating some kind of anxiety that, that someone may, might need to be mindful of. Well, when I think about uh, this particular question, I'm, I'm really thinking about it across uh, three different domains. So signs that could be biological types of symptoms uh, and then psychological symptoms would be number two and social symptoms would be number three. So biologically, you know, if we start there, you know, one of the things I think we just want to recognize at the onset here is that stress impacts all of our systems. So whether we're talking about our neurological system, people may have symptoms such as decline in attention or focus. They may have memory problems. They may have uh, decreased ability to plan, organize, execute assignments. All of those would be neurological signs that very well could be related to just the impacts of stress on the, on the neurological system. They could have chest tightness. They could have increases in blood pressure. They could have a higher than normal uh, resting heart rate. So all of these would be, you know, if people are experiencing these new onset symptoms, some of these very well could be uh, related to stress. On the psychological side, excessive worrying, uh, excessive self-criticism, increased irritability, increased sadness, uh, anxiety that I uh, have a hard time um, controlling. 
increased use of alcohol, changes in sleep, uh, either quality or quantity. And then certainly uh, suicidal thoughts would be something else on the psychological domain that I would want to pay attention to. You mentioned, too, some potential social signals people could watch for. Tell me a little bit about that. When we're talking about social, we're thinking about what occurs in the educational realm, the occupational realm, and then in our interpersonal relationships. Uh, in the educational or occupational realm, what we might see is that people have the same workload, but they're having more difficulty meeting deadlines. They could find that their quality of work has diminished, uh, their motivation for work has declined. And then in the interpersonal realm, uh, we might find uh, that people are isolating or withdrawing more than usual, or they may have increased conflicts at work um, or, or in their relationships. Uh, so all of those would be signs that we would want to pay attention to. Thinking about some of these symptoms, how do you think about how bad they should get before someone should really pay attention? You know, these symptoms can range from very mild to, uh, to extreme. Uh, so really what we're looking for is the extent to which something's actually impacting your functioning uh, day to day. So you could feel uh, mildly irritable, um, but you have insight around it. You're, uh, you circle back with, uh, with your loved one, you repair the relationship, and you're able to manage that fairly well. That's quite a different scenario than somebody who really is experiencing a, a loss of control and feels unable to uh, function uh, in the same way as they've been capable of uh, previously. So for any of these symptoms, we really want to look at the extent to which this is impeding your functioning in relationships at work, uh, at school, etc. And that'll give us a better understanding of what type of intervention might be the, the most helpful for you. Are there any certain groups that, that you feel might be more vulnerable to, to the kinds of stresses that we're seeing in this moment? Yeah, you know, I, th I think that there are. Not every group is experiencing the same level of stress in relation to the present circumstances. And, you know, I think we'd even be remiss to not acknowledge the, the larger picture here recently where not only are we dealing with coronavirus and the pandemic, but we're also dealing with a larger social picture that's occurring within our country and on a local level as well talking about race in uh, relationships and in a different way. And for some individuals, the last few weeks has been particularly stressful. Uh, so I think with our friends who are people of color, they may be particularly vulnerable right now to stress given some of what's come to light in recent weeks. Healthcare workers have been noted to have higher levels of stress uh, throughout this entire pandemic. And we're hearing a little bit less about that right now, but I think that's a population that I have real concerns about because even though the acute distress may not be there uh, like it was in the first few weeks of this pandemic, the accumulation of stress over time can result in fatigue, both on an emotional and physical level. And so I think that's a population that could be uh, certainly vulnerable. And then lastly, individuals who have prior histories of any kind of psychiatric illness or substance use disorder. 
What we know is that wherever you have vulnerabilities, uh, when you increase stress, those vulnerabilities are more likely to be exposed. And so we certainly want to be mindful and, and watchful for individuals who have prior histories. That's a great transition to talk about people who might already have mental health uh, conditions. Expand on some of the risks uh, for, for people in those situations, because you, you mentioned that a stressful moment like we're all living through can just maybe really exacerbate what these individuals are going through. I would start with access. Concerns about being able to actually get in with their healthcare providers, that would be a particular concern for individuals who are already dealing with mental health concerns. Depending on what the specific condition or problem somebody is dealing with, uh, there are certain nuances uh, that we want to pay attention to. So, for example, individuals who are dealing with substance uh, use disorders. This coronavirus uh, has really made access to care very challenging. The social components, uh, having a recovery community is an imperative part of living in a manner of abstinence uh, from substances. So the accessibility of things like 12-step groups uh, has become much more complicated. Engaging in these kinds of activities through Zoom calls is, is not quite the same. It doesn't come with the same sense of confidentiality that you, you would be accustomed to. I've heard from patients that that's a very real challenge that they're experiencing right now. So, and then I think uh, for people who are already struggling with how to manage their thoughts, if they're prone to anxiety, uh, there is so much media attention and, and focus on the uncertain trajectory of the coronavirus that that just naturally fuels some of the thoughts that people may already be prone to. So it can really, to your point, uh, exacerbate these symptoms and, and make it more difficult to manage. Short of maybe someone reaching out to a crisis line or maybe seeking consultation from a, a doctor, what are some maybe other tips that you might give someone who is feeling stress in a way they haven't before, but, but maybe it's not to the point where they're actually going to seek help? I would put resources on a continuum. There are certain things that we can do that are just preventative types of measures. And so I would call those kind of primary uh, prevention uh, strategies. So things like mindfulness, there are podcasts, there are apps such as Headspace or Calm uh, that can help people enter their day in a spirit of mindfulness and manage the stressors of the day uh, more effectively. Exercise is critical. Um, healthy diet and nutrition is critical. Uh, minimizing the use of alcohol. All of those are imperative. And I would also throw in the importance of prioritizing uh, sleep. So take care of that triad of good health behaviors first. And then if these types of tactics are not meeting the need effectively, then there are a variety of other resources. There are virtual uh, support groups. There are a number of online resources uh, that will give you very practical tips of uh, how to manage stress uh, more effectively. And then 
just the availability of mental health resources uh, before you get to a crisis state. Um, most large organizations or companies uh, have an employee assistance plan. What we've seen through this pandemic is that private insurance companies have expanded access to virtual health. So geographical limitations are not as problematic as they were before the virus. That's one silver lining of, of all of this. And so reaching out to your insurance company if you uh, want to get in and, and talk with a therapist uh, preventatively uh, is a good thing to do. And then certainly if somebody is in a more acute state or experiencing more severe symptoms or problems, um, getting plugged in with more consistent therapy with a psychologist or even initiating uh, medication with a psychiatrist is certainly uh, those are viable options. We don't know how this will end. So I'm wondering if you can talk with me a little bit about the kind of uncertainty about how this pandemic is really going to play out and what potential impact that's going to have on on people's mental health long term. I think the reality is there just is a lot that remains to be determined. What I can say is that you know, a lot of the focus here has been on some of the the negative repercussions around uh, mental health. And I do think it's important for us to realize that it, the longer this thing progresses and, and, and goes, social isolation is consistently a risk factor for the development or prolongation or exacerbation of mental health concerns. So it's critical that in the context of the unknown, that we are more uh, intentional than ever about uh, reaching out to our loved ones, uh, reaching out to our friends, and staying engaged uh, socially. The one thing we are finding, though, is that uh, for some people, there have already been some, uh, some real benefits mentally and emotionally uh, throughout this. The pace of life uh, for a lot of people has changed in the ability to get out of the race and uh, step back has allowed some people to really take a, a fresh look at their priorities. And uh, for some, they don't want to go back to the grind that they were in pre-pandemic. And so I think there are benefits to be found and silver linings uh, to discover through this. But on the flip side, we also, in the context of the uncertainty, need to be more diligent than ever about uh, taking care of ourselves uh, mentally because we don't know how long some of these social practices are going to endure. What do you feel like the consequences of people not being mindful of that could be? Well, I think it certainly could have uh, psychological and emotional impacts on people. I think there's no question uh, that that could play out. Um, we could see increased suicidality. Uh, and so that's something that we have to be very, very attentive to and proactive about addressing. Some of the concerns that I also have that we don't necessarily attend to as much are the fact that we know that we really cannot isolate the psychological from our physical selves and our, our social selves. And so uh, not taking care of ourselves, not uh, being mindful of you know how to provide good self-care for us, ultimately puts us at risk for uh, physical health problems as well. The onset or um, magnification of uh, cardiac disease, 
would be one example. So absolutely, you know, we uh, taking care of ourselves mentally is a fundamental and critical part of taking care of other parts of ourselves as well. Ryan Brashears is Chief of Behavioral Health for the Wellstar Health System. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us with questions, comments, or controversy at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. Have you donated to WAB yet? I know you've heard us talking about why it's important, but it doesn't have to be this big decision. You can give at whatever amount fits your budget. It can be a spur-of-the-moment thing. You already get so much out of public radio, so just go for it. Visit wab.org donate and become a member right now. And thank you.